Hello and welcome to Deep Bible Studies. Today I'm going to be reading the second part of the script of Sandra's where we will be talking about the resurrection of Jesus and this is Luke 24, 1-12. So in last week's episode we studied Luke 23, 26-43 and talked about the capture, trial, scourging, and crucifixion of Jesus. We learned about the significance of this fact in each of our lives. Today though we will be studying Luke 24, 1-12, that tells us about the resurrection of Jesus. So take your Bible and let's start studying. The Resurrection But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. After being crucified, Jesus was buried in a tomb provided by a man named Joseph of Arimathea. The body of Jesus could not be properly prepared for burial as the Jews entered the Sabbath. So in hasty preparations, the body of Jesus was placed in a borrowed tomb. The tomb was sealed and protected by Roman soldiers according to what Matthew 27, 62-66 says. The stone that sealed the tomb was a circular, heavy stone, slid between a channel, so that only several strong men could move it. This was done to ensure that no one disturbed the remains. And so verse 1 tells us that the woman approached the tomb of Jesus. So Luke agrees with Mark 15:47 and Matthew 27:61, in that among these women were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Luke 24:10, and others, who are not mentioned by name. The fact as such of the resurrection of Jesus is nowhere described, but the discovery of him is recorded in some detail. Here, women trying to give the body of Jesus a more suitable burial discovered that the stone had been removed from the tomb and that the body of Jesus was no longer there. Matthew 27, 65 through 66 says, Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers. Go, make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. So this makes it clear that there was a guard protecting the tomb. The stone couldn't have been moved by the women. They weren't strong enough to do it, nor by the disciples. And how could they have defeated the armed guards? 
No one else could have wanted to move the stone. And Matthew 28, 2 tells us that it was the angel who moved it. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. An important detail of verses 5 and 6 is that the same way that the angels announced the birth of Jesus in Luke 2, 8 through 15, they also announced the resurrection of Jesus. The announcement of his birth was made to a small group of humble people, considered unimportant by the culture, which were the shepherds. His resurrection was announced by angels to a few women. The angels asked the women something marvelous. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Those who live are not among the dead. We should not expect spiritual life among those who do not have it. Many look for Jesus among dead things. Religious traditionalism, formalism, legalism, rules of man, human effort, good works, etc. But we can only find Jesus where there is life and resurrection, where he is worshipped in spirit and in truth. The angels say that it is necessary for the Son of Man to be delivered into the hands of sinful men and to be crucified and to rise again on the third day. But in reality, they were only reminding them of the words that Jesus himself had said to them in Luke 18, 31-34. In taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. So they reminded them of what Jesus had said. In this, we see how the crucifixion of Jesus was necessary and ordained by God the Father, and also his resurrection. Imagine the feeling of hope that arose in the hearts of these women when they remembered the words of Jesus. The empty tomb, the presence of the angels, the words of the angels by themselves could not change their hearts, but the words of Jesus himself could change and rejoice in their hearts. But despite their excitement, the woman's testimony was not believed. In fact, to the apostles, their words were folly. However, Peter and John decided to run to the tomb of Jesus and found that the linen that were on the corpse of Jesus were in perfect order. Seeing this, they believed that Christ had risen. They had not seen the risen Christ, but they knew that something powerful had happened to cause the body to leave the linen wraps behind like that. Jesus came back to life. He is not dead. He conquered death. Jesus fulfilled his promise, but not only did Jesus himself announce it, but his resurrection had been prophesied thousands of years ago in the scriptures. At the Pentecost, when Peter first preached the gospel, he claimed that God had raised Jesus from the dead. Acts 2.24 Peter then explained that God had performed this miraculous work in fulfillment of David's prophecy in Psalm 16. In fact, Peter quoted David's words in detail as they appeared in Psalm 16, 8-11. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see in corruption. 
You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And a few years later, the Apostle Paul did the same thing when he spoke to the Jewish community in Antioch. Like Peter, Paul declared that God had raised Jesus from the dead in fulfillment of Psalm 1610. Acts 13, 33-35 says, He has fulfilled to us their children by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second Psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. The resurrection of Jesus was also prophesied in Psalm 22. For his part, Isaiah in chapter 53, after prophesying that Jesus would suffer for the sins of his people, saying that he would then be cut off from the land of the living. But then Isaiah says that Jesus will see lineage and that God the Father will prolong his days. Isaiah continues and affirms the promise of the resurrection in different words. He will see the fruit of the affliction of his soul and will be satisfied. And we see this in Isaiah 53, 10-11, which says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous and he shall bear their iniquities. Every aspect of Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection had been prophesied in the scriptures long before the events had been revealed on the timeline in human history. That is why it is not surprising that Jesus has said to the Jewish religious leaders, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is that they bear witness about me. Jesus not only died as a sacrifice for our sins, but he rose again. The resurrection is a finishing touch to his plan of salvation. This is the fact that he proved to everyone that Jesus is God, that he is the promised Messiah, that he is not just another prophet. The resurrection proves the truthfulness of God's word. If Jesus had not been resurrected, the prophetic Psalms would be false and also the prophecies of Isaiah and, and any other Old Testament passage that indicates the resurrection of Jesus Christ would be wrong. Therefore, the Bible would not be reliable. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-4, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. All the plan announced by the scriptures was fully carried out. The resurrection of Jesus Christ must affirm our faith and confidence in truthfulness, inerrancy of the scriptures. So what does the resurrection prove? Well, it proves that the Bible is true. Second, the resurrection proves the deity of the Son of God, the deity of Jesus. In fact, there is no greater test that exists to prove the divine nature of Jesus Christ than his resurrection from the dead. This is the most monumental thing he did to verify that he was God, because only God can give life, only God can overcome death. 
In the Bible, we find that many people who testified that Jesus was the Son of God, even the demons knew. For example, a demon claimed the deity of Jesus in Mark 5, 6-7, where it says, And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him, and crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. The disciples of Jesus gave testimony of the deity of Jesus. Peter, on behalf of all, said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thomas said, My Lord and my God. Nathaniel said, You are the Son of God. Matthew said, He is God with us. Mark said, He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Luke said, He is the Son of God. The apostles, the New Testament writers, affirmed the deity of Jesus Christ. Also, John the Baptist, when he said, I saw and I bear witness that this is the Son of God. Martha, the sisters of Mary, who clearly affirmed, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who comes into the world. Also, the Roman soldier who was at his crucifixion said, truly, this is the Son of God. And Christ repeatedly made such claims. He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I and the Father are one. We have many testimonies, but the most powerful testimony was the one that came from God when he raised Jesus from the dead. The testimony of God the Father. He is a supreme witness, as we have talked about many times. So, the resurrection not only proves that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, but it proves that he is God. What else does the resurrection of Jesus prove? It proves our justification. Romans 4.25 says, Who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification? In order for God to declare us righteous, Jesus had to be resurrected. This was indispensable evidence of the conclusion and effective value of his death. It was the way in which God the Father said, Your death fulfilled the purpose for which it was planned. God the Father raising Jesus from the dead confirmed that what he did on the cross satisfied God's holy justice. If he had not risen, then Jesus would have been just one more prophet and his death would have been that of an ordinary man and without value or purpose. But it's not because he rose from the dead and he was raised by the Father for our justification. He was resurrected so that in God's eyes, we could be made righteous so that in the eyes of God, we could be without sin and so that our sin could be put aside and forgiven. Jesus is alive and that is why he can give us life. John eleven twenty five 25 said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And that is not a contradiction. So eternal life depends on the resurrection. That is why this fact was the conclusion of God's salvation toward us. If Jesus had not risen from the dead, he would never have ascended to the presence of God the Father, and he would never have sent the Holy Spirit. He himself said that he could not send the Holy Spirit until he had returned to the Father. John 16, 7-10 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go 
I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. The ministry of the Holy Spirit depended on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus had to rise again to give us eternal life. He had to have life to give it. He had to be resurrected to return to the Father and send us the Holy Spirit. The resurrection of Jesus is the guarantee of our eternal life. Listen to these well-known and wonderful words Jesus is speaking in John 14, 1-3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus died for you, but then he rose again and ascended into the presence of God to prepare a place for you where you can dwell for eternity with him. Our Savior is going to return, and he is going to take you to the place prepared for you. If you repent of your sins and believe in Jesus as the Son of God, as your Savior, your Lord, your dwelling will be in heaven in his presence, which is the most important thing. The Bible teaches us that we are all going to be resurrected one day. Some to eternal life in God's presence and others to eternal life in condemnation out of his presence. We must make a decision. Believe in Christ, follow Christ, obey him, or do the opposite. The first decision leads to forgiveness, blessing, joy, satisfaction in his presence. And the second implies condemnation, punishment, and hell forever out of his presence. With his resurrection, Christ offers us to pass from death to life, from darkness to life, from hell to heaven, from hopelessness to hope, from sin to justice and righteousness. You can find more information on our website, www.deepbiblestudies.com, where you will also find the calendar to go along with the book that we will be studying. You can also find us on Instagram, at Deep Bible Studies, and Facebook, where you can know every single time we post a new podcast. Also, we have an email, contact at deepbiblestudies.com, where you can ask us any questions and we will be sure to get back to you. I hope you have a wonderful day and see you next time.